But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. <laughs> you did, you did a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Nine by Nine. My name is Eric Delorme, joined as always by my good friend and buddy, and uh, looking pretty slick today. Did you get a new haircut? I did. Yeah. Thanks for noticing. Look at, look at that. See, even through the pixelated whatever whatever software we're using, I can still tell. Uh, this is the eighty-one square meters of the best volleyball content on the internet we've got a great show today for you guys a uh, bit of a light week in volleyball obviously still tons to talk about champions league cev cup super lega plus lega um of course pvf continues into their second week of competition so we're going to touch on all of that uh, pretty excited just to talk some ball uh we've talked about it before but just reminded that this will be the new time um, moving forward for the for the time being for uh, the nine by nine, we're going to be going live at seven thirty p.m. Eastern time on Monday night. So we get you caught up on everything that went on in the world of volleyball from the week before. Uh, so Rob, how do you how do you feel about just jumping in into this uh, in, into some, into some Champions it. League stuff? Because last week we had the first playoff rounds for the Champions League. As Rob so nicely put up the bracket there for you guys to check out. Um, those three matches at the bottom there, we saw play out Guagas uh, against Prague, Halkbank and Zoxa, and Tools against Berlin. So, Rob, I think we should just start with the biggest one. You kind of have the three levels of matchups in this one. Very um, much so. Let's start Let's start at the top. Zaxa. They, this is a tale of two different teams right now. Zaxa is staying alive so far in the Champions League, but floundering in the Blues League. Uh, <laughs> This one honestly probably should have been a set win for Zaxa. They bounced back nicely after uh, Hawkbank's opening set. Um, but uh, all in all, a 3 2 win for Zaxa to at least take a bit of a lead going into the second leg. A bit. A bit of a lead. And, and the, the, this was in Poland. They're going to go to Turkey this week uh, on Wednesday. I think is that the Wednesday game or the Thursday game? That's a Wednesday game, so yeah. they've got uh, they're, they're probably traveling, maybe maybe even today, and then maybe get some touches in tomorrow. And we'll talk about Zox's absolute debacle in the champ in the Plus Liga over the weekend, which was honestly just tough to watch. But this this particular game had a, a little bit of everything. Um, it ended up being two and a half hours long. I'm actually surprised it wasn't longer than that. Because I, I think that the place I want to start is with the absolute mess that was the the official situation in the fifth set. Yikes! This was seventeen like, minutes. <laughs> this was like nothing I've ever seen before. This this fifth set, fifteen twelve Zaxa, thirty eight minutes, and that was because of just a completely inexplicable officiating mix-up uh, at 8-7 in the fifth set when, when the sides change. You know, we have systems in place. This, this is not a new thing that we change sides when the first team reaches eight in the fifth set, but there was a 17-minute delay when Zaxa went up 8-6 to six about the score and about the changing of the sides. And I think what Polish Twitter was saying was that 
well, and, and, and Turkish Twitter as well. We had a lot of p- people who spoke both respective languages listening to their home broadcasts and telling us in the Discord just how just how ridiculous their commentators were being going in on how much of a joke this was. I think what ended up happening was the up and official and down official were not on the same page about what the score was. One of the officials was just wrong about the score. And they ended up having to basically go back and rewatch the entire first half of the set to make sure that the score was in fact eight six, which we knew from after the second that last point was scored. It was it was the most like volleyball is so embarrassing. What are we doing here? Moment that I've seen maybe ever in a Champions League. Yeah, that is hands down the Vera volleyball Monza uh, figured out award of the week Uh, goes to the refereeing in the CEV volleyball because that was it was embarrassing. Right. Like once again, this is like this is volleyball. Like this is what I've come to expect from volleyball. And it's absolutely terrible. Um it's really difficult for for you know, like and it's also funny what happened with those two types of fans, because it had it happened with any other fans, like the noise wouldn't be as loud. But like Polish volleyball Twitter and Turkish volleyball Twitter are the two most active volleyball Twitters out there. By far. Uh, by far. So I just once again, another tough situation for volleyball where we just can't get of our own way and can't figure it out. Also, love just throwing some strays in the the Discord to Jax's way. He will he will forever <laughs> be he will forever be my target uh, when 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 something like that happens. But I mean, the game wasn't without controversy. We saw a huge That's red right. card in the fourth set, Kajmar, which kind of turned the tides for that fourth set and really like let Hulkbank back into the match. Um. And, I want to uh, talk about that too, because yeah. as, as as good as Lukash Kaczmarek was, like he ended up with an MVP award because he dropped twenty three points on twenty for thirty five attacking with three aces, and, and no service errors, which is amazing. But that that red card that he got in the fourth set might actually it, it there is a chance there is a chance that that red card that he got in that fourth set might cost Zaxa their Champions League season. And the reason why is that it completely stopped Zox's momentum in its tracks. Because, and the, the reason why, well, I'll, I'll get to the reason, the, the red card itself. But it's, uh, it stopped Zox's momentum in its tracks. We, we, our understanding was that Zoxa felt like they had that match in hand. It felt to me watching it like they had that fourth set in hand. And that completely was a 180 degree swing of momentum. It stopped Zoxa from being able to potentially win that match in four. And as everybody knows, in Champions League, if you win a match in three or four in the first leg, the worst that you can do in the second leg is play a golden set. Instead, they ended up going to five. They win it in five. Now, in Turkey, all Hawk Bank needs to just advance, not even need a golden set, is a three or four set win. So uh, winning that match for Zaxa in four versus five, they ended up winning it in five. That kind of changes everything about this next leg. And the red card itself was so stupid. Lukas Kaczmarek served an ace. He got red carded after serving an ace because it was like a almost like a pixel perfect, like back millimeter of the very far corner in like the position five corner down the line from where he was serving. And it was so close that the line judge standing right in front of it initially called it out of bounds. The, the up official overruled it immediately, gave the point to Zaxa, but Kaczmarek absolutely, like, practically charged, like, almost past the net, almost charged the line judge after yeah. serving an ace and got straight red carded and completely changed the game. It was childish and stupid and pointless. Especially in the situation where, like, it wasn't like there was much time between the call being made by the lines judge 
judge and the up referee, you know, making making their own their own call. And to me, that is really a sign of the pressure right now that this that this Kazmarek is in, but this entire Zoxa team is under. I mean, we'll we'll get to that a little, a little bit later too. When we're talking about the Pusliga and a post from Rick Shoji over the weekend, but there's there's clearly a lot of pressure for this Zoxa team right now. And I think there's there's one player that feels the big brunt of that. And I think there's probably two players that feel the most of that. And that's Bednorsh and, Bednors and, and Kazmarek because they've kind of been there, the two guys who haven't been too injured and have been around throughout uh, throughout everything. Um, good news for Polish fans and Zoxa fans is that he was able to kind of settle himself down so many times you see after emotional outburst Someone's just going to lose their game after that. Like if that's Herrera, game over. You know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to be bringing in, you're going to be bringing in Ventara or whoever else is, is is on the Cuban national team. Um, but Kazmarek was really able to kind of bring things in, uh, rein rein it in. But yeah, it was just a complete bonehead play there by Kazmarek. But I do think, I, I do think part of the other thing, I, th- I think we have to give some credit. They switched out. Merzler Lugumja started the match. He or was was in the match early. Wasn't great. Gord Gord Perrin was was doing all right, but Lagumja came in and really did did a good job for um for Hulkbank in in that fourth set and really helped uh, force that fifth. Yeah, he did, and we I think there's there's a lot to break down here about Hulkbank too because that to me, if you're a Hulkbank fan, seems like a match you probably should have won. With 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 all all that was going on on Zox's side, with them practically gifting you that fourth set for free with a really stupid red card that changed the game, and you know just not, I, I feel like they had Hawkbank had plenty of decent swing chances in transition in the fifth to mm-hmm. take break points and just didn't terminate on a lot of those pretty good opportunities. And in my opinion, a lot of that falls on Namir Abdelaziz. He was not even close to terminal enough. Twelve for thirty seven with seven errors. Like that's that's twenty five. That's that's eighteen continuations. Only More one, than... only one for two in the fifth, though, right? Maybe maybe that's a bit of a bit of an issue there. Like I I know it's near mirror and and I know there's things, but like you're going to the middles more than you're going to the to to to, to your opposite, like. Nangapeth was really good. He was four for six. He was really in, good in, in in that fifth set, but and still twenty like, for thirty overall, which is incredible. Like that's that's probably maybe Irvin's best match of the year. And when, so when you get that, because Irvin's been the wild card, to not pair that with a with a, an even like acceptable Namir performance, because twelve for thirty seven with seven errors is not even close to good enough for Namir Belaziz. No. Not not even close. So to pair like when when you get that level of from Irvin Nangapeth with not to take advantage of that and win the match is disappointing to me if I'm a Hawkbank fan. Yeah, for sure. I feel like they've left a lot on the table this year. Like this they is have. a team that could be right. This is a team that from the from the get-go, I thought this was a dark horse team that could win the Champions League. I thought this was a dark horse team to have a, a, a really good year and they've just seemed to stumble uh every step along the way. Of course they do have some uh, a little bit of reinforcements coming in in the for, this form of Jay Blancano uh coming in as their as their backup setter. Um but I mean We'll, we'll we'll see what'll happen with with uh, uh, with Hulk Bank as they continue to be an interesting team. Um, I don't. I'm not entirely sure what's not clicking there. Maybe there's just I don't a little know either. bit. Maybe I, I I also think it's a bit of a time thing. You know, you bring in some guys like Ingapeth. Um, I I think there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. Um, 
that's in the movie played together. Dude, like, it's they, February. They, it's February. Adjustment yeah, periods I, are over. It's the Champions League playoffs. Like there, I, I don't, I don't really have any answers either. But I'm not going to chalk it up to them not having enough time together. That's definitely not it. But uh, they, again, because Zoxa gifted them that fourth set with that really stupid Kutchmark red card, I, I do think now Hawkbank has a significant advantage in this series. Because if they if they win the match in three or four, they advance. If they win in five, they go golden set. Uh, and if if Zoxa wins by any score, Zoxa's through. But uh, I think that match being in Turkey this week and Zoxa coming off the weekend that they just had, uh, my I think the chances for Zoxa to really put their best foot forward on Wednesday are not looking great. So no. uh, I think Hawkbank's in a pretty good spot, but. Uh, they've been in good Host, spots before. Hosting this at home coming. is huge. Exactly. Hosting hosting this at, at, at home is huge. That, that cannot be understated. Know that crowd is going to be is going to be loud, right? You know that they are going to be passionate. Um, and if Hawkbank has the ability to ride that wave in a positive way, that can go for them. But we've also seen that go the opposite way. They they might be. Up there, like they're up there with Piacenza being as as one of some of the moodiest teams, like one of the moodiest teams in volleyball, where they're just like on off, on off. When they're on, they can be amongst the best. When they're off, they can be really bad. So it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, especially like I really feel that Mike has been struggling recently, um, and I'm I'm wondering how much that is is that he's starting to feel the pressure. Like you have two world class hitters on that team. Right, you have two world class hitters who are going to be demanding a, a lot of volume. Last year it was super easy, right? Jeski, Jeski's used to kind of playing that secondary role. Doesn't matter if it was Bruno or whoever the Turkish guy, whatever Turkish guy they had last year. You knew the volume was going to go go to Namir. But this year, if Namir's not putting the ball away, then you've got Engapath being there, being like, "No, bro, like give me the ball, like let let me take over." And I'm wondering if that's affecting Micah's game and 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 how he's delivering the anything yeah maybe uh i i, I kind of see it as namir being the demanding one and Irvin just being uh, like a, a wild card of what sort of player you're gonna get that day he, i don't think he's the demanding attacker that namir is uh, i just think that Irvin no. all around is is so important and such an enigma that i think the, there's just a, a lot of fragile criteria for success for hawk bank and so and when they when they don't meet all those, they it can it can look pretty messy. But uh, this is this is going to be a, a, a probably a pretty sloppy game again on, on Wednesday in Turkey. Like these, I expect that too. Yeah, yeah. I, I expect it to be another sloppy game. Like I expect there to be a, a few cards thrown around. I don't think that Irvin demands the ball like vocally. Like I don't think he's saying necessarily or coming to the coming to Ma with the with the same like fervor that Namir is, where he's just like, give me the ball, give me the ball. But when you have a guy like Ervin Ingapeth on your team, you have to always be considering him. Right. As a setter and that ball's coming to you, you like he went to him like he was four for six in that fifth set. Yep. Like, it's clear that that he was he was that he was going to the hot hand, right? That's I mean that, yeah, to me that's that good, has, that that's has good to setting. hundred percent. Right. But maybe that that's that's creating some uh, some dynamics. I mean, at this point, we're just we're just talking about it. Uh, anything else to talk about this match here, Rob? Nope. That uh, uh, that refereeing fiasco in the fifth was an absolute nightmare, and the Kachmark red card was one of the dumbest things I've yeah. seen from a player all year. 
Kenny, Kenny Diaper in the uh, chat did say that Country Mark's daughter was also sick on the same day with an IV drip. Um, so it just seems like we'll talk about it in a, in, in a little bit once we talk about the Plus League of this year has gone from bad to worse. Right? It just constantly seems like these guys are in a stew and it's just been a real, real difficult time. It's been time. hard. It's been hard for them. So uh, back to the bracket. We already talked about Guaguas versus Prague, leg one. We talked about that on last week's show, last Tuesday night. So uh, last one to talk about is Berlin versus Tours. Uh, Berlin did beat Tours 3-1 to one in the Max Schmeling Hall in Berlin on, uh, I think, also on Wednesday, right? Yep. Yeah, it, also it was, on Wednesday. It, it, it started just before this one, I think, yeah. I did not watch as much of this game. Uh, my takeaway is that you got a very good Ruben shot game, which is which is a nice bonus for Berlin. Uh, you can't really always rely upon those, and um, he led the match in scoring with 18 points, so that was nice. And uh, Berlin served the ball significantly better. Those are my two takeaways. Berlin is a dominant team when they serve tough. I mean, yes, eight aces, 60 on, only 16 errors, one for two on that. That's really, really strong there from Berlin. And there was definitely that, there was a moment in the third set, um, like, like Berlin was upset that Tools won that, 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 that second set. They came out, I think it was an eight to two start something like that and they just put the pedal to that metal in the fourth set and it they were kind jaw of kind of jawing back and forth and i mean i think tools is is a pretty good team but i don't think they can play with the physicality of of berlin and when berlin take care of the detail like they have been like like berlin is just is just so dominant against a team like tools we'll have to see what happens against uh, trentino potentially uh in the next round i mean it, that was a home game as well for Berlin, so we'll have to see right. what happens when when they head back to Tools. And uh, a very good, very underrated home crowd in Tours and just kind of in the French League in general. But uh, kind of the way I look at this matchup is that Abuba is a poor, poor, poor man's Marek Chotola. Yes, like Abuba wishes he was Marek Chotola. Yeah, and, uh, you know, big physical lefties. Abuba is incredibly erratic and inconsistent, and Chotola is like low-key well by far the best and most important player on berlin but uh he's also like up there surprisingly high in world opposite rankings at least in my opinion uh he's very good very important Higher than abuba for sure oh well yeah not not even in the same <laughs> remember how like well, abuba started a brazilian vienna roster last year that was weird that was a little <laughs> weird was- that that was that was really weird. I mean, he was pretty bad in this one. Five errors got blocked three times. Thirteen for thirty-one. So that's a real low efficiency. Real efficiency low there uh, for Abuba. There's an interesting Joe Worsley was telling an interesting story about a fight that almost broke out in one of their matches against Tools this year, where Abuba was running his mouth. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, a little bit interesting. I do expect Berlin to kind of take care of business. Uh, whether it's two or in five, I, I don't, you know, all they have to do is win the two sets, right? So, correct. Uh, yeah. Berlin just has to win two sets. But I mean, don't be that shocked if, let's say, you get only one of the three Berlin wings playing particularly well. I wouldn't actually be that surprised if this went golden set. I okay. would not be, I would not be that surprised if this went golden set. Why uh, is that? I, just because, uh, the, give, me, give me a reason. Home, Home court advantage is massive on both sides. I think the Tours home court advantage is huge. And I think that you can rely on Shotola for Berlin. But if you get a subpar game from both Carl and Schott, then you've really got a chance to beat this Berlin team. I really like Timothy Carl. I really, I really like 
I really like the idea of Timothy Carl and Teofor playing on a very different looking style French team. Like, imagine if, if you have those two on the court, you auto- automatically change that, that French team from a very, like, skilled level team, not saying that they're, they're not powerful, with two guys who can crush the ball. Like, Teo Fogg and, and Timothy Carl are both guys who can just... Big arms. Just big arms. And, and, and I kind of love that uh, for, for, for French volleyball. So, and like somebody just said in the chat, Tours is solid. They did beat Rosovia tri- uh, twice. Excellent point. They can beat Rosovia twice. They, 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 they can beat Berlin at home. I don't think that's that impossible. So we'll see. Uh, so Guaguas versus Prague and Zaxa versus Hulkbank are both on Wednesday. Berlin at Tours is Thursday. Um, you want to move on to the women's side? There's a lot less to talk about here. Yeah, a lot less to talk about on dong, on the dong, website. dong, dong, dong. Yeah, it was like noon uh, outside of a church in Europe. Um, all the <laughs> dongs everywhere. That was I have I have like that was my more PG version. I'll I'll, I'll say uh, my, my, my my more rated R version uh, another time. But Vakov Bank three nothing against Zhezhov, Zhezhovasha three nothing against Promete, and the German Derby. I thought that this one was good. Tuned in was. Not impressed. Was it was not super stoked on that. Stuttgart also giving Potsdam the donging. Indeed, uh, yeah. So we're not even going to talk about it. Zajibasha versus Permate. That was the most predictable three zero maybe ever. And then they go back to Istanbul this week. So uh, thanks for partic- Thanks for participating. We'll see you later. Also, we already talked about Vakif Bank beating Jezhov last week in another three dong. Uh, I didn't get to watch any of Stuttgart versus Potsdam, unfortunately. Uh, so I don't really have any takeaways here, but um, let's see. Crystal Rivers, 17 on pretty high efficiency. Yeah. 18, 25, 18, 27, 25, 19. I watched, I had this one on the first set was just domination by Stuttgart. I kind of watched a little bit of the second because you kind of see that they were getting into it. Um, a little bit, of, a little bit of interesting there. And um, especially since, <clears throat> Sorry, <clears throat> sorry. Um, especially since Potsdam had held that four point lead, they were up like 20, 21 17 uh, in, in that second set, and Stuttgart was able to come back and, and take it. Um, but yeah, it was it was really just domination. Crystal Rivers looked really good, but so did the, the rest of the entire team for Potsdam. Tara Tobner hadn't really heard of her much before, but she was she was pretty good offensively. Seventeen for twenty eight, and only up. Yeah, bottom. off off the bench for Potsdam. That's that's pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd like to pay more attention to this game this week, just uh, so I can know a little bit more about whoever ends up winning, like heading into the rest of the tournament. That game is Wednesday as well. So, uh, yeah, Promete at Zajabasha. Yikes! That that's that's going to be a beat down. Same with Zhezhov at Vakif Bank on Thursday. Those uh, cool. both both those games in Turkey, like see you later, don't don't bother. But yeah, I'm going to tune into this German game just for uh, the sake of learning about whichever team advances. But yeah, th- this was uh, not set up to be a particularly exciting play and round on the women's side. However, I do think that the the quarterfinals when we get there, all four of those matchups are going to be awesome. Yeah, I yeah. Once we get to the quarterfinals, that's when things get spicy, and I'm all here. Uh, Tobner's a 21 year old from Serbia. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So looks like she's been on a few of their U19 and, and U21 programs for, for the Serbians. So that might be another uh, opposite there to, to keep a lookout uh, coming out of Serbia. Okay. 
Uh, let's talk about the CV Cup for a little bit because uh, they're into the quarterfinals and there were actually a couple of good games. Starting with this one that was actually very surprising. Very surprising. I, you know, these two teams just, and I think it's, it's uh, they've got three weeks in a row where they're playing each other on Thursday and as Zevierci easily handled um, Rosovia. And I know Rosovia, uh, is, is dealing with some injuries, but they still have those say like they still don't have Kuba back. Uh, they, they still don't have Chebul back. Uh, and this one, like they handled Xavier. Like they were in control the entirety of the, the match. Higher match. I was expecting Xavier to, to come back, to push back for something. And it just, it, it wasn't happening. Like, I mean, Zhechov's blocking was unreal. Seven yeah. blocks for Carl close. He was, Dog crap offensively, 0 for 4. <laughs> but when you when you uh, rack up seven and ace eight points just from extracurriculars alone, not even offensively, that's that's not bad. 14 overall for Zhechov as a team, only five for Zavirchi. Also eight attacking errors of for Zavirchi. They hit 37%. That's bad. Plus, yeah, 20, 22 combined errors. Yeah, very, very bad Carl Butrin game. 13 for 36, 10 errors, including six on force. That's quite bad. Uh, Trevor Cleveno was okay, not efficient enough. And then all three Rosovia wings were very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, 14 for DeFalco, 15 for Luati, 15 for Boyer. And uh, yeah, close seven of 14 blocks in a three-set match is remarkably good. And again, still no Pavel Zatorski, still no Kuba Kokonovsky. And still no Clayman Shable, although I'm not, I'm not even convinced that's that much of a loss. Like DeFalco and Luati can hang in there fine. And Kozub over Jizga obviously is an upgrade as well. All day long. Kozub over Jizga. Like, look at these, looks look good. At these numbers. Kozub's, Kozub looks good, man. Like, they're spreading that offense. Like, all three of your outside attackers are in the 20s, right? Uh, DeFalco at, at 29, uh, Yassine at, at 27, and Boyer at, 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 at 24. You're keeping Boyer real efficient, 13 for 24 as well. Only one and one, one block in, and uh, got blocked once with an air. So Kozub is, is like, this Rosovia team is, is an interesting team, and what a stark contrast from what we saw from them last week when they went over 2. Right? right, and then it was like last week we we were talking the show talking about Rosovia being like, hey, like this is a team that is starting to fly a little bit, but they've bounced back nicely not only in the uh, CEB Cup here, but in the champion or sorry, the Pusli guys we'll talk about uh, a little bit later. But two dongings for Rosovia, but this one I think is the is the biggest one, a big donging against Sevierci in the in the uh, Champions League. Definitely. So these two teams will play again this Thursday for the third week in a row, and it'll be the rubber match because you have Xavier Che beat him in the Plus Liga two weeks ago, and then Rosovia won last week in convincing fashion. So uh, in Xavier Che, and their home crowd is awesome. We talked about him last week, and uh, we'll, we'll see what sort of chirps they have up their sleeves for TJ DeFalco as he goes back to serve. <laughs> but uh, golden set potential here too, because that's the CV Cup format. If Xavier Che wins in three or four, uh, goes to Golden Set, but Rosovia needs two sets, and 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 they move through in enemy territory. So uh, that'll be a fun one. Also, uh, Olympiakos beat Arcaspor in five, and Lundberg swept uh, Aeon's Milan, uh, Luke Herr's team in the sort of Canadian setter battle. Real quick, we didn't even mention how bad Kolek was in this match. Five for twenty-one. Ouch! Yeah, that's bad. That that is terrible. Um, yeah, I mean Olympiakos and uh, Arcus is, is was a really interesting one. Uh, we watched it a little bit. Big shout out to Burkai who was streaming it uh, on the Discord for a little bit, um, and then unfortunately it got shut down, and we weren't able to watch it any any longer. But uh, 
that Arcus team, it really seems like they've started to figure some things out. Uh, Nick Hogue's been out for a little bit with injury, uh, but Grozier ah, is just continuing, continuing, continuing to met, to to mash some balls. So I kind of eight points in that game for Grozier. However, eighteen for forty six with uh, with thirteen errors is is quite bad on offense. The thing is, though, nine aces. <laughs> nine aces that's that's ridiculous i don't know if i've seen anybody this year even sniff double digit aces individually that's that might be outrageous that might be the highest serve count for sure of the year yeah that's that's incredible wow so uh, in a losing effort though too because olympiacos did win this game and uh tonchek stern pretty good salvador hidalgo oliva pretty good um let's see was this one an away game or was it it was a home game this was for, for, it, this was in Greece. It was in, Greece, was in yeah. Greece. That that could be another one. That's hands down golden set potential with, for sure, without a doubt. There, for like, sure. that one I could definitely see going to uh, to five. And honestly, I I, I kind of have my money on Arcus on that one. I'm not mm-hmm. high on this Olympiacos team. I actually kind of am. I, I have liked them a little bit this year, but uh, I could definitely see golden set. Um, also, yeah, Lundberg um, donged Aeon's Milan pretty convincingly. I don't know anything about this Milan team other than Luke Kerr. Yeah, no, me neither much. I, f- I find it's hard to watch the Greek League. Anyone anyone got some insight of, of how to watch the Greek League? I don't I, know. None. No idea whatsoever. anything about the Greek League. Nothing at all. So, uh, and then we're not going to talk about Fenerbahce playing Mosaic. That, that's not a good use of anybody's time. Um, the one, one decent women's game CV Cup, uh, Kieri beat Le Canet in five. That was pretty good. Kieri continuing to to figure some things out. That's a team that I've been high on for a little bit now. And I mean, Nikana is solid, right? That's a team that went all the way to the quarterfinals last year and is chock full with Russians. That's that's right. Uh, Kaya Grobel in the 22 on 19 for 45 attacking. It's a pretty big volume. Uh, hmm. Not a whole lot of other big takeaways from this stat sheet. Uh, yeah, looking at a handful of Russians. Alina Popova with 20. Anna Kotikova with 19. Uh, that's that's ones and outside ones and opposite. I can't tell which is which. Uh, yeah, I won't, won't claim to have watched this game. But honestly, I think the winner of that series is going to win this tournament. Yeah, I could very much see that. Is there any other is the, is, is there any other uh, significant matchups in the CEV Cup on the women's side? No, not really. A uh, couple, there's... Two other French teams, a Hungarian team, a Polish team. Like Budavani Woolwich is in CV Cup now, and they're probably okay. going to win no problem. And then some matchup, uh, like a Serbian team against some other team I've never heard of. So, yeah, I don't know. But uh, real quick, though, this the CV Challenge Cup on the men's side is going to be a Monza versus Varsava final. And that's oh. actually going to be really fun. I that's love fun. that. That's, too. This, these are the matchups that we want. These yeah. are the matchups that we want, CEV. I honestly yeah. just want—I just just want a pool, honestly, of just the Polish teams and the Italian teams right now. <laughs> and on the women's yeah. side, I just want a pool of the Italian teams and the Turkish teams. That's yeah. That, Mon- that's all. Monza versus Warsaw is like a legitimately really yeah. fun matchup, and it's going to be in the finals too, which is where it belongs. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy that they uh, didn't see each other any earlier than that. So like, I think leg one of the semis for both was last it, weekend. They both won easily, and then on the women's side, it's going to be. Novara against either Nantes or Nilufer. 
like mm. uh, France or Turkey. I'm not. I'm not interested in. in no. I'm not interested in Novaro. But that men's match, though, especially like it's always chintzy when you win a, a CEV Challenge Cup. Especially like the the CEV Cup, there's usually good teams by the end. Like remember that one year we got Saint Janet, Saint Petersburg and Dino Moscow. In the oh CEV yeah, Cup, and Moscow was arguably the best team in the, in the world Europe. that year. Yeah, that was awesome. That um, was awesome. And then like, but conversely, I think it was last year, maybe the year before. I think it was Scandici that ended up winning the CEV yeah. Challenge Cup, and, and it, it was just it, dog shit. Yeah. Just garbage, just garbage yeah. all the way through. So I absolutely love that. Like for Shava and Monza, like those are going to be two fun home yeah. rounds. It's, it's, it's going to be two fun teams, two teams that are like are battling near the tops of their leagues. Um, and for Shava's in the top four, and they're the top two actually of uh, the Plus Liga um, with okay. Monza. Different story for Monza. Yeah, uh, I mean, they started the, the season real strong. They have just been struggling. But Monza has been good in anything that doesn't wasn't league play. That's as, a good as we saw again this week. Well, uh, before we will talk about the Super League in just a moment. But before we do, before we do, before we do, have, let, the, let, let the people know about that volleyballstore.com. Absolutely, head over to that volleyballstore.com to get all of our best merch. I'm going old school today. I, I need a new one of these shirts, Rob. You can see it starting. Oh, just the, the classic spicy volleyball. Yeah, just just the classic spicy volleyball. Uh, head Love over it. to that volleyballstore.com and use the code SPICY to get 15% off your entire order. You got the 9 by 9 gear. You got the 9 by 9 squared. You got the volleyball source, the anti-volleyball volleyball club. And, of course, everyone's favorite game show, the Where's Daddy merch. Um, jumping nicely right into our segue of... The only reason most people watch the show, to be honest, because why would you watch it for any other reason? Volleyball sucks. That's right. Volleyball does suck when you have to spend 38 minutes watching a fifth set, uh, in, including a 17-minute break for refs to not figure it out. You know what I was thinking of that entire time during that break, Everett? Right. I was thinking of Daddy. Oh. I was thinking of Daddy. I was thinking of Daddy Stankovich. That, that just sounds wrong, though. No, it doesn't. That's, that's mm. just what I think about. Because, uh, I mean, I've been talking to our some of our Italian friends awesome. in the Discord because I'm going to be in their country in June, and I'm very excited about that, and I'm going to get myself a Daddy Stankovich jersey. But if you can't get yourself a Daddy Stankovich jersey, you can get some some Daddy gear from thatvolleyballstore.com, or you can just play our segment. Where's Daddy? Because we hide him somewhere in every show, and if you find Mr. Stankovich, then you comment a timestamp of where he is in the main YouTube comment section after the show is over, and if you do that, you get a shout-out the following week. So... Uh, last week, we were talking about Monza's upset win over Trentino in the Coppa Italia semifinals. And there you see uh, our, our lovely friend, Mr. Gagini, not Gagini, but Gagini. Gagini. Uh, Gagini got a little bit of a positive makeover there. And there's Daddy Stankovic. So uh, our friend Luki Dori says, Daddy is probably a better libero than Gagini. He was the first one to find him last week. So uh, I can't necessarily disagree with that, to be perfectly honest. So good job with that one. Yeah, Daddy's hidden somewhere. When you find where he is, uh, make sure you comment a timestamp, not in the YouTube live chat, but in like the main YouTube comment section after the stream is over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking of Trentino versus Monza games, Everett, I think this was the most predictable rebound revenge donging maybe ever. 25-12, 25-17, 25-17, hour and a shower. Trentino wipes the floor with Monza in regular league play. Yeah, this was um, 
this was the spanking for the kids that got a little unruly that one day and got the better of their parents, and then they had to come home and like kind of face the face the music. That's kind kind of what it felt like uh, in this one. Uh, and it was it was like you kind of knew like right from that the the, the first set you could kind of feel that uh, Monza was there with with a little bit of their tail between their legs um, for <laughs> for this one definitely not a good look but Monza is that six in a row now in the Superliga that's starting to get very very worrisome for them I think it's they've lost five out of their last six they did they did beat Toronto about three weeks ago. But uh, other than that, yeah, they've been in, in a free fall. Lost to Verona, lost to Trentino, lost they to did. Modena, lost to Perugia. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who it was before that. But yeah, n- not a great look for Monza. It is a tough break for them because they've played really well, like you said, in competitions that are not the Super League regular season. But uh, they're, they're, they're sitting in seventh right now and uh, not looking super good in doing so. And we'll talk about the standings in a minute. But I have nothing else to say about this match. This was a donging of the highest order. Uh, Alessandro Bicoletto was automatic, and uh, there's not much more to say. Trentino is the best team in the league. Yeah, it was a really, I mean, wouldn't say a weird weekend. Like, if you go down, there's really only one result that pops out at you, and that's uh, obviously right there at the top of the screen. Uh, I was doing a bit of coaching, Rob St. Clair, so I was not on hand to, to check this one out. Were you able to, to peep? To peep a little one on this. I sure was. You're referring to, of course, Piacenza 3-1 over Perugia. Or fresh off of winning the Coppa Italia, Perugia, uh, on the road, to their credit, um, they come up against a rare, a very rare sighting of the buzzsaw that is good Piacenza. Piacenza's good, man. They're very, very good. And Yuri Romano was horrendous on offense, as usual, but was brilliant from the service line. Five aces. And this was the by far the best Yohan de Leal game we've seen probably since the 2022 World Championship. He was insane. 24 points, 20 for 31 attacking, two aces, two blocks, uh, acceptable reception, but like that, the well, well over 50% efficiency. He killed every ball he touched. This is a this is a great news game for Piacenza fans. 100%. Right? This is a massive news game for, for Piacenza fans because this is the first game that we've gotten to see Leal back in somewhat of his old form since, the, since those injuries and, and since coming back from rehabs. This is also a massive news for Brazilian fans, oh, right? Yeah. We've we've been talking in the Discord recently, and I mean, a lot of people still think dis- Brazil's dead. And it's funny. I actually watched a YouTube video about the same topic, but for soccer, and it's really interesting to see what's happening with their geopolitical sport landscape in that country, but that's another conversation altogether. Um, but when you look at that Brazilian team, just looking f- forward to the, the Olympics a little bit right now, like when you have Bernardinho and the Leal like this and Lucarelli playing his way, he is like, you can't you can't uh, write them off. And the same thing with this Piacenza team. They're getting pieces back right at the perfect time, right? They're getting pieces back right at the time that you you need to to go make that run. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to to watch this Piacenza team because they have all the pieces, right? They, do. they there's there's no doubt about that that they have all the pieces, but can they have those pieces come together consistently? That, that, to me, is the big question. And, and can they do that consistently over the course of, of, of the rest of the season? Well, the but answer like, has clearly been no. The question for me is, can they peak at the right times? It's not about consistency for Piacenza. True. Because that's, that's kind of out of the question. <laughs> you're, right, that's, you're right. That's like become their identity. But can, can they peak at the right times? Like, can they... 
Can they raise their level to beat Perugia in a regular season game? Turns out the answer is yes. Can they raise their level in a two-match series with JSW in the Champions League quarterfinal? I'm really interested about that one. I mean, we, we were... Piacenza was in by far the hardest Champions League pool. They had Hawkbank in Berlin, and they ended up winning that pool and playing good ball when they needed to. So I think this this team might be just a team that that kind of goes the, the way that we like to make fun of Yuri Romano, where they only wake up when when their best is truly required, even though Romano continues to be horrific on offense. Uh, actually, our, our friend Eric Shoji texted me the other day, like, who do you like between Piacenza and JSW? In that you, Champions you, League you series. love that flex, eh? You, you, uh, love, you love that flex. I'm not, not, not telling lies out here. And I, I said Piacenza. I actually kind of like him. I kind of like him in, in big moments and big series. But, like, sure, they're also just as liable to lose to, like, Chisterna. Well, I mean, yeah, they literally just lost to Chisterna last week. So uh, anything's possible. Who do they play coming up? They have Monza, then Verona, then Toronto in league play. But this was this was a very impressive Piacenza game, and if Yanni Leal plays like that, then you're you're right. Brazilian fans are are the real winners here. Yeah, they they absolutely are. For me, Rob, when I look at this Super League season, the top six teams, and I'm I'm right now in the standing standings, Monza is is below Verona. In my heart, Monza's higher, and I'm just gonna keep them in there, and that may be biased, <laughs> but you, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to deal with it. But like Monza can like Monza's proved that they can rattle off and beat any of the top teams at any time, right? Once Rand gets back healthy, which we've seen that he is in Istanbul with the team this week uh, for the okay. CB Cup. So he's he is he, there's some sort of timeline there where, where we're assuming that for Rand to come back. Like, if Rand can come back healthy, Monza could potentially be a team again if they can, can stop the skid. But there's so much more parity in this year that, I am getting so excited for any yeah, of awesome. these any of these playoff series, right? I don't know if there's going to be any duds once once we get to the playoffs. One versus eight. One versus eight will be a dud for sure. Trentino against either Modena or Chisterna. That yeah. that, that that will be three zero. But uh, everything else, everything else is going to be awesome. And I, I want to spend some more time talking about Piacenza versus Perugia because right. on, on the Perugia side, th- th- this honestly wasn't even that bad of a match from them. The problem was. Piacenza ripped 12 aces to 20 service errors like that. Piacenza was tearing the cover off the ball from the baseline. And it reminded me a lot of last year's Coppa Italia semifinal in this exact same matchup when Perugia was invincible all year. And they come up against a Piacenza team who lights it up from the baseline for one day. And there was nothing they could do. It's it's basically the exact same thing. So I'm not even that worried for Perugia. I still think their highs are as high as anyone in the world. But they're like when when the Ani Leal drops twenty four in four sets and when they go with twelve aces on better than one to two ace to error ratio, like you're just not gonna beat a team that does that. No. And let's be honest, like with the, the, the way that Piacenza serves, like do you have legitimately some of the best servers in the world? Like Romano as absolutely mediocre, just like no name brand craft dinner. He is on the right <laughs> side attacking. Like he is he's the world good class server. server. He, he, he is like he is that homemade mac and cheese that you get from the barbecue joints when he's on the baseline. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, 12, 12 to 20 is, is an amazing serving output for a team, yeah. for sure. And then it also helps, like, I mean, 20 errors is a lot, but there's so so much termination happening from the baseline that that entire match was played on Piacenza's terms. 
Um, and yeah. and what and that's that's the thing is that Piacenza they're so passive that they just let the game come to them so much. When they impose their game on other teams, and they can be imposing when they impose sure. their game on on other teams, that's when they're the most dangerous. Like they are they are the best team when they are going 150 miles per hour dead forward and nothing is stopping them. Right when you have Simone and Romano and Leal and Lucarelli and Brizal running that offense. Ooh, like all the potential is there. All the potential is 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 there. And if they could just put that engine together nice, like together uh, nicely, just once, might just might just might just happen. Maybe, maybe see what, see what sort of damage they can do in the playoffs of both Italy and the Champions League. Uh, I I watched a tiny bit of Lube three donging Modena. This was not a very fun game to watch, no. and just kind of continuing our our theme every week of, of really just being very, very low on Modena. Just they're, they're, they're not good. It's boring volleyball, and it's not good to watch, except when Daddy gets subbed in. That's all. We even <laughs> saw Giulio Pinali in this game, for God's sake. And he came in and got a wide-open net, no blockers up in front of him, and he hit the ball bounds. Classic Pinali thing in the history of the world. So that, that made me want to throw up. Uh, Filippo Federici is not is not a good libero. Uh, Vlad Daviskiba got subbed out again and is trying to play two different positions. And I honestly feel bad for him. Uh, Maxim Sapochkov, for being seven foot three, goes two for twelve with six hitting errors, which I just simply do not understand. And Moden is just not good, and and it's a bummer because this is one of the great franchises in volleyball history, and they right now are sitting out of the playoffs. To me. Making their big their big move this year was when was going to get Davis or not Daviskiva, um Sapochkov. Um that to me was a big mistake. Right. I he's a big body who puts up numbers, right? But let's remember Mazkid Jensen once put up numbers coming through from this same organization too in, in Verona. Like it's it's I'm not saying it's not hard to score points in your first season in the Superlega, but it's way easier to score points in your first season than it is, is in your second season. 100%. And, and the thing is, is that most players in the Superliga, like, I don't think most teams game plan that much for Shaposhkov for two reasons. First and foremost, he's hitting angles that most teams just simply can't defend. That's right. True. When he's hitting his best shots, you can't defend what, what he's doing most times because he's so high up there and he's just hitting ridiculous angles. But the other half is that you know that you're going to get half of those back in errors. And half of those errors are him burying the ball in the middle of the net. Now, do I think <laughs> that Bruno is a little bit too flippy and sets him a little bit underneath and that doesn't really give him the full potential to really get underneath and crush the ball? Absolutely. I but do at think a certain, that as well. At a certain point, then you need to start adjusting. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I'm just going to jump into what I said last week. Modena is the most boring team in, in all of volleyball to watch. I would rather watch Padova. I would 100% watch, rather watch Padova than watch Modena. I would much rather watch Gardini and Poro go off on the left side than I would than I would rather watch Modena. Dude, Luca Poro, I mean, I know Padova just got three-donged by Verona, but Luca Poro is going to be a superstar. 12 for 20, one error, two aces and a block for 15 points, like, and, and, and outstanding reception. Like, the kid's going to be really good. Yeah. Now, the, the, the sophomore slump might apply to him as well once, like, next year he becomes hopefully a full-time starter somewhere. But uh, I think really it's, I think it's less susceptible to, uh, to Italian guys. 
right? Because mm, I think when you're coming, when you're coming up, like we see, we see it a lot more with foreigners. That's my own perception. Perception, anyways. That's honestly, I, I don't hate that take. That you, there might be something to that, right? Because you're you're just like a little bit more like in with it. I'm not saying a sophomore or something couldn't happen. Honestly, like watching Luca Poro more and more, I really wonder where he slots in at the national team. Like I like like I that agree. has to be the, the 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 thought process you go when you watch this guy play, and to me it's where do you rank him amongst that second tier of guy because you have those three guys in Rinaldi, um, in Botero, and in Riccine. Where does he fit amongst those three? Um, that that's gonna be the qu- big question. No, I know he's a little bit younger. Like how old is Luca Poro? I think he's nineteen, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> he's a, he's a young kid. Uh, Ozzy in the chat says Luca Porro to Modena. Honestly, I would love that move. Uh, yeah, he's a 2004, so he's uh, he's about to turn 20. Yikes, that's that's scary. He does things that 20 year olds shouldn't be doing, and uh, it's impressive, man. Yeah, so it's it's it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Tommy did tell us in the Super League preview show at the beginning of the season that Luca Porro was going to take a starting spot on Padova by the end of the year, and he was going to be sick, and he was absolutely right. Uh, we're not going to talk about Milano beating Catania. I don't really need to talk about Chisterna beating Toronto, although I, I do kind of agree with Kenny in the chat saying that Chisterna might, uh, well, Chisterna is ranked higher than Modena, but Chisterna might just be better than Modena straight up. Like, Tail 4 is is lighting up the Super League right now. Another 20-point banger, 16 for 32 with two aces and two blocks over the weekend. Yeah, Modena doesn't have a player that can, that can do that. Modena does have the veteran presence of guys who have been there done that but Wantahan is not going to bang out like a 20 burger every night no if Sapochkov is he's going to add another six seven eight errors on top of that so it's just going to like that efficiency is going to be real low um I don't hate that take at all I actually kind of like it I'm, I'm with that yeah also shout out to F.A. Byram he was very good uh 15 points 11 for 21 and shout out to Alexander Nedeljkovic uh the middle blocker from Serbia I don't know if I've said his name like all season but um 12 points for a middle perfect seven for seven attacking four blocks and an ace with no errors of any kind love to see that That's i mean i know nice. i know we were both pretty high for him when he was playing for friedrichshafen last year yes yeah yeah, yeah right and, and we saw him at vnl yeah we saw him at vnl with serbia in 22 he's just like a big dude with crazy broad shoulders he's really long he's like the the classic like prototypical serbian middle <laughs> yeah uh, but i but i like him and he had a good game uh, Rob, question in the chat from Luke D. Who are the best set of volleyball brothers right now? Oh, Oral Bro's got to be in with the show. Oh. And you know what? This is a question that I was actually thinking about. Thinking about this week when in, I love in, this thinking, question. In thinking about the Poro brothers, they they have to be up there. I think you've got the Poros, hundred percent. Legumjas, the Legumjas. Oh, right now you might have to give it to the Legumjas. I in think terms I of would. Two, two athletes who are like playing at the top. You got to give a shout out to the Ingapeth uh, brothers. Even though Swan, <laughs> Swan is, is, is Swan even still playing? <laughs> who knows? Might as well. Might, might as well. Um, I'm going to go be a hometown homer. Worsley's? Elsers? Elsers. Worsley's have to be up there hands down. For sure. Like I would put Worsley's in the top three. I, I might I might go. Who did we say it was number one? Why am I, Legum, why? I think the oh, Legumjas are probably I would number go one. Legumjas number one. Maybe Poros number yeah, I'll I'll like a Worsley's number two. Like, nah, you, but both, both Poros are playing are playing major roles on teams in Italy. I think I think that gives yeah, them. they're Italian. You're not telling yeah. like I think I think Joe Worsley is better than Paolo Poro. 
and they're very like when you think about it there's a lot of of similarities there i love this take but i think i think joe worsley is better than paulo poro and if joe worsley and i think this is this is, is true for like maybe like a lot of players but if joe worsley was it was italian he'd be starting for a super like a team hands down for sure, that's that's for sure it's absolutely that's, there's, there's there's no doubt in my mind but i don't think like joe worsley is in my mind is better than paulo poro that's a very interesting take and they both, was mvp of the french league for the first half of the year yeah right like like they both they're both Ooh. very good setters who understand the game both on like in a technical but also emotional level they're both very good all-round volleyball players i love the way that they just huck and chuck the ball all over the court and run that offense i like, like this take this is uh, this is fun i and like i don't i don't think it's i think it's very minimal right but i i do think it's there I love it. Uh, I mean, of course, there was Shoji brothers while Kavika was still playing, but he's not. Then there's the Nikolov brothers that are coming up. I mean, Alex and his younger brother is named Simeon, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All and time. He's gonna be. He's gonna be nasty. All time. You have to look at the Gerbich brothers. Oh, Vladimir Vlad- and Nikola. They they might be best. Yeah, man. That that was that was just an incredible incredible volleyball family. Um, you honestly, oh, if you guys, like, oh, uh, Marilo, Marilo, and his older brother, I think his older brother's name was Gustavo Andres, uh, two Brazilians. Oh, Gustavo was Marilo's brother, I'm pretty sure it was his older brother because Gustavo was a starting middle in the 08 Olympics when Marilo was like just coming in. I'm pretty sure those two were brothers. Okay, here's here's the deal, people. You guys are gonna hit us up in the chat, not in the chat, but in the comments afterwards with yeah, who, YouTube comments, your favorite. Uh, favorite uh, volleyball brothers are this is this is a it, I Luke I love that you uh, you brought up that question because it's literally something that I was was pondering the other day just being like where you know like some of the best uh, so like I, I think I saw something that was like they were talking about the Kelsey's being like the best football brothers of all time and I was like I wonder who the best volleyball mm. brothers are and immediately yeah this is fun them. yeah Ooh, oh, we can this... extend it out to sisters too, because I mean, Isabel oh, yeah. Hawk has a younger sister who's like at least a Ooh, professional, and yeah. Isabel herself is so good that 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 might win it for. Her. Or I mean, the Skinner sisters, the Americans, are are quickly rising up that list. Oh, Avery and uh, Madison, and Maddie, yeah, that's so interesting. And, and, but then also there's the brother sister combo. We don't have that many of those, but oh. uh, y- Yuki and and Yuki Ishikawa and his sister, yeah. Yeah, this this is fun. Uh, put put any of your uh, yeah. any of your answers in. in, in the the McKibbins the McKibbins don't count. Come on, no, no, no they're beach no. guys. Father son is a different combination entirely. Ozzy, hopefully, <laughs> that that's a, a pitiful Homer answer. With, with, with Glenn Hogue is Glenn Home is an all time great. Any anyone any one of that era will tell you that Glenn Hogue is an all time. How many gold medals do they have compared to say the Resende family? i forgot yeah okay maybe okay maybe maybe they're second maybe maybe <laughs> maybe we'll go with the resendes we'll go with tilly's uh, tilly's yeah i like i like i like questions like that yeah but tilly's, let tilly's, us know in the comments go, you gotta go second with the, with the tilly's but <laughs> big gold baby all right let's uh let's move over to the women's side in italy there was only one match worth talking about uh, I hope we did a good job hyping it up on last week's show, but it ended up being yet another 
Coneliano dismantling of another good Italian team in a three-dong over Malone sub. 23-18-18, dude. I don't know how this keeps happening. I don't know. I swear there are other good teams in Italy, but every time they play Coneliano, just nobody even has a little bit of a chance. It's honestly amazing to watch. You, we we know why though. One, they're the best organization in volleyball. Yep. Like I, I, I truly think I, I truly might think that men, women, it, it doesn't matter. Two, they've got the best coach in volleyball. Yep. Well, there's no one better than Daniel Daniele Santarelli right now. Men, women, doesn't matter, right? Third and foremost, because of those two, they take care of details so damn yes, well. They do. They play as a team so damn well, right? Like there's, there's, there's. I was thinking about it the other day, and like a lot of that, like whole Brazil is Brazil thing. And I mean, now that they're getting Leal back, that's going to be a whole other discussion. But Canaliano is good, good teams. Like, if you want to be a best team, if you want to win championships, you have to have athletes, you have to have talent, but you also have to take care of those little things, of those bang bang plays. Have the roles on the team when you go out of system. What's happening? Who's doing what? In in all of these dis- different situations, this is what teams like Piacenza really lack, right? It's that detail. You see it all the time with Milano that they they let stupid things just sneak into their game when there shouldn't be. Canigliano doesn't let that happen, right? Nope. And in games where they do let it happen, in games when they do, they just don't have it. They figure it out, like the game against Chiari a, a few weeks ago, right? Good teams find ways to to lose in bad situations. Better teams figure out how not to get into those bad situations by simple maneuvers, and that's Canigliano through and through. Wait, one second, Everett. I need to make sure we get our broadcast back. Oh. Uh, looks looks like we have it back. I hope. Uh, we just had a, l- a little crash issue on on my side. I think we're back now. Can everybody in the chat let us know if you can hear us? I I think everything is working now because I which is too bad because I really liked that 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 monologue yeah, you just I, went on about Corneliano, the organization and about just how much better they are at every little thing than everyone else, including Malonza. Because you're absolutely right. I really I really hope that didn't get cut off because I I was on a roll there. We've, like, we've at least we've at least got the recording of it. That's for sure. I, I okay. know we have that. But uh, I mean, I I was most excited about this match on Sunday more than even any of the men's matches. And I just, I mean, I, I agree with Brian in the chat. I, I don't understand how you can leave Dana Retke and Nika Daldera both on the bench when Rafaela Foley and Laura Hireman in the middle are both doing nothing. And Miriam Silla, Karabayama and Helena Kazot are all doing nothing. It's crazy that you have all of these options as we've made fun of Malone's for many times in the past for having too many options and not knowing what to do with them to not even use them is insane. Like when, when, when the options that you've chosen to start are just not even close to playing well enough to, to not go to good players on the bench straight up makes no sense. And it's just a completely different feeling because Corneliano honestly is constructed kind of similarly. They have a, a one setter, one opposite and one libero that everyone knows everything else. They've, they've got a lot of options. They've got three outside hitters on Caneliano. They've got at least three, arguably four middles. And the, the buy-in and the, the, the embracement of the, of the roles and the system and the identity of Caneliano is a polar opposite to what is going on in the Malone side. And you can see it when they play each other. Because, I mean, Isabel Hawk was unbelievable, 17 for 31 with one error. Like, above 50% efficiency is, is downright insane. Like, that's one of the best matches of the year for anyone. 
But like then you have like random awesome performances like Marina Lubion, a, a middle, five for nine, a block and four aces. That's awesome. Kelsey Robinson actually scoring some points on offense. Catherine Plummer having a really good game and passing the ball pretty well. Like just the 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 team system and the little details. It's 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 as if you can put any player in a Corneliano jersey, and it, it will still work because of the because of the franchise and because of Daniele Centarelli. It's amazing. Yeah, the system with within which that they play. They do a really, really good job at establishing whose role is what, right? And uh, it's it, it really is is good to watch. But on the flip side, like it just continues this conversation of mediocre Italian coaches just continuing to get good jobs, <laughs> right? Gaspari has been there for like five years now. They've never won a trophy. Nope. No, sorry. They they and won that- they won the CEV Cup back in twenty twenty one. Who cares? And now they have Paula Egonu, and now there's now there's no excuse. And like I feel bad for her because she's the only player doing anything. She had 22, 17 for 45, four aces and a block, and nobody else even cracks double digits. I mean, Miriam Silla was okay on offense, but she got aced five times. Like there's just it, it's the exact opposite of Corneliano, where no matter who you put out there around Egonu, especially at the outside hitter position, they end up looking like a liability. Whereas no matter who you put out there on the Corneliano side around Hawk, Voos, and Dejanaro, who I think are the three most important players on the team, they end up looking amazing. I, I, I don't get it. If, you, if it's as simple as just hiring Santorelli, then he's worth every single penny that Turkey is paying him and more. I mean, it, it, Rob, this kind of reminds me of some of the, 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 the chats I've been having with the Stooges in the Canada section of the Discord, where it's just kind of like, well, why, why is this these teams keep on losing? Well, it's be, because they're bad. But but why? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just change everything and just start winning? Why why don't we just do that? And I was like, all right, cool. You know what? That's the first day. We're just gonna put it on the whiteboard. Stop losing. Stop, Stop sucking. Sucking. Be better. Uh, be better. <laughs> but yeah, like it's it, 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 once again, like this is Piacenza, Veravoli, Malonza. Honestly, match made in heaven. Like just they are chock they full are. of talent. And they just can't figure it out. Um, and in the volleyball source universe, we're naming things after both teams. I mean, the yes. figure it out of the week award is sponsored by Malonza, and the, a Piacenza is a verb now yeah. when you embarrassingly let a ball drop in the middle of the court with nobody communicating to it. That's a Piacenza. Yeah. We even saw one from Zaxa in a Champions League game last week. So uh, those teams' identities are starting to become uh, further intertwined, and I'm here for it. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, anything else Rob, from the uh, women's league to touch nope. on? Nope. Let's talk about Zaxa. Let's talk about this absolute disaster. Ooh. Absolute disaster. I so, I so we know, know about their injuries. We know about their injuries. We know Shlifka's been out. What they also found out before uh, going to Rosovia was this on the road or was this at home? This was uh, on. No, this was on the road at home. This was in. This was at Zaxa. This was at home. So that's tough. What they found out before this game was that Wukash Kaczmarek, Bartosz Bednors, and their backup libero, I think his name is Banach, all three of them came down with some sort of illness and none of them could play. So Zaxa ends up rolling out uh, Krzysztof Zapłacki, an outside hitter who literally is not even a full-time volleyball player. He has a full-time job at like the Kenjujin Kojle City Hall yeah. and just plays in the third league in the evenings. And then they also, I think it's uh, Ziokowski. Zyokovsky 
is the is the other guy who literally is he their trainer? He's their trainer. He's he's Zox's trainer. He's been retired from volleyball for five years, and had they had to pull him off the bench in an emergency just to have bodies. Hey, he still went seven for twelve. It's going seven for twelve. And oh man, and and like like kind of we were saying before the show ever, you said that the the fourth the third set was when it was just straight up fire sale. Like they yeah. the first two sets were horrible, and they put in. Like they put in this beer not guy to set in the third, and Tuan Viltenberg, who I'm very low on, and and this uh, Zoykovsky guy, and, and like that was honestly the best volleyball they played was when they had uh, the most skeletal of all skeleton squads maybe ever, and there yeah. was nothing they could do. Like of, of course, Rosovia is going to win that game, and it just it just is a another crazy point in the chapter of Zox's season. Just of it, all that they've had to go through, it's it's like it's nothing been relentless. Ever before. It has been relentless, and usually you see it kind of break, but it, it has not. Um, I mean, it's really interesting that Daniel Kitigoy only gets that first set. He goes four for five attacking, but passes the ball like absolute Trash. crap. Got ace twice, thirteen percent positive, zero percent perfect. So he's just shanking. Well, I think Kenny uh, in the chat said that Kitsugoi had the same illness as everyone else because because he was eighteen, he was able to bounce back a little faster and tried to play and and clearly couldn't pass the ball. But like th- this is this this is insane. And I, I think what we have to talk about is is the this message yeah. posted by our friend Eric Shoji on Instagram that I, I'm glad ever you took a screenshot of this because. It it just it just seemed topical, and to me, the way like Shoji just seems exasperated at this point, right? It, he just seems so exhausted, where that they've never been able to. It seems like this team has since they won the Supercopa, Super Cup. Yep, not Supercopa. They're not in Italy. Um, since they won the Super Cup, this has been a disastrous season. Like this team got back from the Olympic qualifiers and they were just in this bliss of post-national team season, right? Because this, this team on, on the whole, like Polish guys, American guys, and one Romanian, I guess one other guy from Norway, but he doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> like they had a, a fantastic international season. And then you just come and you're just hit by one thing after the, the other, after the other. And then maybe you don't like the coach and, Everyone's talking to each other, complaining, but it has just been nonstop drama for the Zaxa team. And it's one thing, it's incredible that they're able to stay alive in the Champions League, just barely the the way they have. But right now they're in 10th in the Plus Liga. Like they they are fighting for their playoff lives in the Plus Liga. And at this rate, they're still going to have a first of their, they're they're not making it into the top four. Absolutely. If, If like they are not hosting, they will not be hosting any round. So, it's a tough spot to to, to be in. Um, so it, we got to read that. We got to read this message from Eric Shoji because this was after after the three zero loss. We, we, we do Rosario. have we do have audio fans. I forgot. We I forgot do. So you. Eric Shoji on Instagram writes, "Hey everyone, I feel like I have to write something here after our match today. Not sure why. Maybe I just need to get it out. This season has been crazy, challenging, and unique to everyone in our club. We have been fighting injuries." All but three or four players have missed a game, at least one game at some point this season due to injury since the start of the season, which was already difficult. And then this week, four of our players came down with some sort of sickness that kept them out from today's match. We really cannot catch any breaks. 
It's frustrating and difficult to work through as a club and an organization. I just wanted to come on here and thank all the fans for their support through it all. We will continue to do our best and fight for every point. Now, I, I don't doubt any of that at all. I, I know I know that they're thankful and they're going to continue to play their hardest and that uh, Zoxa is still Zoxa and there's still championship pedigree there. But it, there's been so much, so much that has happened to this team and almost all of that has been completely out of their control that even for a team that's won the last three Champions Leagues in a row, it can just get to be too much. It's almost worse to the thing, too, because the one injury that was their most in the control is well, maybe the one that's hurting them the most. Slivka breaking his fingers by pulling on the net out of frustration, right? <laughs> and it's it's this these, like, small little outbursts from Zaxa this year that have really just kind of, like, this is a team that we've, we've lauded for so long for just being so poised and put together and really being like the Canigliano of the men's game, like them, them and Trentino. Right. Um, but this year has just been so interesting. And it's, it's also, it's also not a great look for this team as well, too, that you fire your coach and you bounce back with like a sketchy, a sketchy champions league game that you barely make it through and put yourself in a tough position going into, into Turkey and have to pull out some, pull out a win and then you get three down by Rosovia like this. Yeah, so I mean, I think my my take on it has been pretty clear from the beginning of the season that I really did not think it was Tomas Samelvo's fault. No. I think that history will will probably prove me right on that one in the end, but uh again, just another thing that was completely out of Zox's control and like having two starters out with an illness, they get three down by Rosovia and now like you said, they are absolutely fighting for their playoff lives. It would be completely insane to think about it, but the Plus Liga is the Plus Liga. You play a ton of games. It's very demanding. Only half the league makes the playoffs, and there is no guarantee at all that Zaxa, who's won three Champions Leagues in a row, is even going to finish in the top half of their domestic league this year. It's crazy to think about. I mean, this is this is one of the reasons why I'm like, volleyball's sick. You know, like, this is why, this is like, this this is when I say volleyball is volleyball. Like this is what I mean by the good stuff. Most of the this is, this, yeah. This, this is this is like this is awesome sports stories yeah. and drama and and life and like and I'm I'm still holding on to it because still part of me is just like what if they come back? What if they can? Dude, do that's what I'm saying. And they've all, made that they've the, made like how many times in the past three years have we been like they're not going to make it through this gauntlet in the Champions League? And what have they done? What have they done, Saint Clair? They've won they've, three in a row. And now, like, they, they if they if they go to Turkey and they win this game on Wednesday in Champions League, they would play Lube Chivadanova in the next round. Lube just had Ivan Zaitsev get hurt and uh who's gonna be out for a bit. And even though there's no foreigner limits in Champions League, which ends up helping Lube a lot, like Zaxa matches up well against Lube Chivadanova if they can get through Hawkbank. Like no, nothing is impossible for Zaxa until they are officially statistically eliminated. The problem is uh, uh, they're running out of time in the Plus Liga to avoid that very fate. So uh, they do have a couple easy matches coming up, which will help them. But um, yeah, it's it, it's it's dramatic. It's there's there's a reason why we've talked about them just so much this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, they're they're one of the best teams in the world too. So you, yep. you you've, you've got to follow them. Um, not much else happening in the Plus Liga. Um, just a bunch of three dongs and easy wins this week. Nisa did go to five with Shetahova. Um, yeah, let's see. Olsten, three nothing yeah, against not much. Scra, JW, three one against Katowice. 
Lviv 3, Dongings Valky, Sofia against Zaxa, Javierci 3 0 on um, Radom. Anything coming up here? St. Clair, Rosovia versus Nisa. No. Zaxa has, of course, the Champions League, and then they've got Katowice this weekend. Okay. Uh, Lublin versus Vershava is an okay game. Yeah, not, not a lot of great stuff on the Plusliga schedule, but it is nice that, like, kind of when I'm sitting during the day, I, I like think, oh, is does there happen to be a random Plusliga game on? And the answer is almost always yes. And I just turn on the background and see what's up. Like, I did watch. Uh, Olsen beat Skra the other day nice. without Josh Tuaniga and without Nico Scherzen. And so they started Armoa and Karwitzek on the left, and they looked awesome. Yeah. So I just like pick up random little things here. And there. Also, quarterfinals of the Polish Cup going on next week on Tuesday and Wednesday. Mm, okay. So we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll preview those a little bit uh, more on next week's show, of course. Right. But good call. Let's turn our attention for the rest of the show. Let's turn our attention stateside. Let's talk about the Pro Volleyball Federation because we spent a lot of time on this last week. We told you all the the lens with which we are going to look at this league. And we're going to continue to talk about the matches. We're going to talk about the X's and O's. We're going to talk about the storylines as, as if it is a real established high-level league, which that's what we all I mean, want it to be. And... I think I think the thing is is that it is, Rob. Like we're we're talking about like they're they're getting consistent like five figures in those stadiums, right? Yep. You're getting 10 to 11,000 fans. Those are huge numbers in Europe. Those are huge numbers for volleyball. So I think that that's one thing that, that we need to recognize here. And also, I mean, you're starting to see where the cream of the crop is. Atlanta. Mm, that Atlanta team is looking, very good. Is, is looking real good. I do have some issues. Before we get started over there, I do have some issues that like, this first game that you're seeing in front of us, this is game number three for Atlanta. It's game number one for San Diego. And a, Vegas still hasn't even played. Yeah, that's a tough spot to be in when you're going to be playing up against teams who have had, and like, this is brand new. There wasn't a proper preseason. There's the, the, there wasn't so many things. I do somewhat question, like, I don't think it's good necessarily for this league to be starting in January, Rob. Because of the proximity to the end of the NCAA season, like you, it, it's so bad for the development of the athletes to have to like peak again so early. Like you need like a, a like you need some time off after that season so that I they mean, can like kind of like kind of like I was saying as as the PVF was really ramping up, all of this feels rushed to me. It all feels like they threw it together as fast as they possibly could in an attempt to beat League One volleyball to the mm-hmm. product. 100%. And they did they did beat them to the product, but uh, will that be good at in the long term? Yeah. At what cost? I guess we'll see. But uh, on court, you're right. Atlanta's third match of the year, San Diego's first. It was a very convincing three-dong. I mean, Morgan Hentz is the, the best libero in the league. I don't think it's close. Uh, Tori Dilfer Stringer is her, ma- is her married name. She might be the best setter in the league, and Leah Edmond might be the best player in the league. 20 points is insane on 16 for 27 attacking that's 41 percent efficiency and finally uh a, a, an awesome like wow worthy offensive performance in a pvf match that was very cool to see yeah i i i could see the offenses ramp up a little bit from week one to week two just a little bit more zip just a, just a little bit more swing i think you're starting to see some of those athletes really step into that role of being the go-to hitter for their teams i mean i really feel for the san diego team they have been not so great early start non couldn't get anything going and i mean you're going up against a juggernaut team in atlanta in your first matches they're just they just came off two weeks i mean hannah tap 
was she got the start. She was really not good. Uh, they kept on calling Newt Sara Tomcom the best setter of all time, which like she's what? Yeah, the commentators <laughs> kept on calling her that, and I was like, yeah, I mean, like she's pretty damn good. Um, you're not wrong. There's like that one commentator from Omaha oh. being like, we are in the center of the volleyball universe, and I was like. I could name you like a dozen places that yeah. I would call the center of the well, course before I have Omaha. Plenty of complaining. I have plenty of complaining to do about about the commentators, and actually, it has to do with this game right here. It's uh, San Diego's second game, Omaha's first win of the season. Uh, the Supernova Supernovas sweep the Mojo in Omaha uh, again. Eleven thousand people in the stands, like you Love said. That. the The broadcast for this game was unwatchable. Ooh, it was it? so bad. I, I this did. Was, this I, was Saturday night. I did this was see from the so bad. Yeah, I saw so some, bad. Yeah. First, for the for the entire first set, there was about a five second audio desync delay, which Ooh. was which was horrible. Production. Took them so so long to fix it, and uh, the commentary was the worst that I may have ever heard, and that really is. It is such a low bar. Yeah, there, there's uh, somebody in the chat who's making the right point. Yeah, there was this female commentator, the the, the color person, was uh, talking about the 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 clothing choices of the Oregon women's team in, NCAA, in the NCAA. Which one? Why are you talking about that in a PVF game? Two. Why are you talking at all about what players are choosing to wear while they play? I completely don't understand that. So, like the, the what what I'm confused by is that the PVF has invested so much in such a short amount of time in a lot of really, really good areas. But the one area that they clearly are nowhere close is the broadcast. It's still not good enough. It's still 720p. They still can't even figure out where it, it is going to live online. Like All these games have been on YouTube so far, but I still, don't, I still think that is not was not their original intention and is not the long-term plan commentary is a problem it's a big problem the product is so much worse for p the people who can't go to these games like me i don't there's no teams anywhere close to chicago i would love to go to some of these games instead i have to watch online like like the other 99 percent of the world and your broadcasters are doing you a disservice to this league hire better people it's it's not good and it, it, needs to change. It's always crazy to me when big organizations just always leave media as like a, an afterthought. And it's just kind of like this, this is this, this is your it's front number one thing that you must do, right? Like if you were a retail store, this is your front, like this is your front window. This is, this is your branding. Um, it, It's, it's a little bit credible. I, I will say though, that the action on the court has been really good. Like really solid. Like I, I, I am looking forward to sinking into this uh, a, a little bit more um, just with how accessible the, and like, this is going to be a big week as Rob puts up the schedule up, up here um, kicks off on Wednesday. We go. Yeah, no, we finally get, yeah. Wednesday. So Wednesday, we finally yeah. get Vegas. We finally get Vegas. And that's another thing I don't really understand is no. there's absolutely no rhyme or reason to the schedule or the format of the league. I, I don't like that, but Vegas at Omaha, Grand Rapids at Atlanta. Uh, let's see. Vegas at Orlando, Omaha at Grand Rapids and Orlando at, at, at Atlanta, whatever happened to Columbus, they played one game and they have no games at all. in in the next week, I completely just don't understand the schedule format. However, all these games are going to be on YouTube. You get a new team in the Vegas thrill to potentially watch and root for uh, starting on Wednesday night. And Lane Van Buskirk. 
Canadian athlete. Oh, is that athlete. is that where she is? Okay, yep. cool. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, I'm still keeping my hopes up. I'm still going to watch a lot. I'm still waiting to get the call to commentate some of these games because, my God, it's been but it's it's seriously ever go back and watch saturday night's game go well, back and watch i don't know if i want to now i was, I no, was having you, a nice, you have to i was having a nice to. games games night with my friends so no, uh, you you have to watch it it's it, it is it's important that you hear just how bad it was on saturday night san diego at omaha yeah I so mean, bad i do listen to the volleyball world commentators on a regular basis so they're bad too um they're bad too i'm not uh I'm not uh, immune to it. I I, I know what's happened, <laughs> happening, but uh... oh man! Uh, if you want some some some, if you want some listenable commentary, then uh, this weekend you can watch some VLA if you're interested. Uh, VLA is going to be in two places. I'll be at one of them. I'll be in Chicago. We've got the same three teams as we saw two weekends ago, which is cool because we get some some roster continuity. We get some storylines. We get some rivalries. We get some. Uh, some history we get some uh, actual movement in the standings which is cool so i'll be in chicago saturday and sunday and then the east division kicks off as well uh, out in connecticut we got a friday night primetime game and then a bunch of other action uh, team lvc the boston bounce in the northeast force lvc is the reigning champions i expect them to be very good lvc uh, in in this uh, this is our third event in there in uh, three years at this mohegan sun casino in connecticut which is gorgeous and i'm bummed i'm gonna miss it LVC is undefeated in that building. They're 8-0 oh, in that event. Nice. Gotta love that. I mean, LVC to me is one of the few Tier 1 teams that actually keeps it together. You know? They are, I'd like, say them them and the Icemen are the two best, not only teams, but best franchises in, in Tier 1 by far. Yeah, I love to see it. Um, Steven, you're right. You could you you could comment and commentate any of those uh, PVF games. Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. and anybody, anybody watching this show could easily do a better job than, yeah, that, that woman talking about the Oregon University players' clothing choices in the middle of a PVF That's game. That's like, I just hate that. It's, oh. Almost broke my chair there. Um, <laughs> especially coming from a woman too. Like, it's we already struggle so much with the the topic of clothing within volleyball. Like, bro, I have a hard time telling people, um, like hipsters in the city that I I do volleyball because I always know, I always know there's some SJW out there who's ready to be thumping her chest about women wearing bikinis in beach volleyball, which is like so far from from the reality of it and, and all of it so the fact that a woman is sitting there and talking about what they're what they're wearing is just dog shit i hate it yeah it's not good so uh i mean and we can make it a weekly segment at this point because we are we are watching the pvf like we we care about what this league is doing we're really interested in it and want it to succeed but i think i think there's a lot of things that are good but just there are but we're, we are like we are also very critical about the broadcast because it is it is what we do. It's what we do, right. and okay. and we're and we're not going to lie to you all. We're not going to sugarcoat our opinions on this show. That is not what you come here for. So. But at the very least, we get to watch it on YouTube for free, and sure. there's pro and there's pro volleyball. So like at least I'm giving them an at least a seventy five percent right now, like the PVF yep. in total. Everything else is, is is details. Now, once we start, if we start hearing that you know athletes aren't getting paid, which we haven't heard nothing of the sort. I'm not trying to spread any rumors here, but like maybe that's a different question. But like to me, if games are happening, athletes are getting play, paid, then everything else is is uh, is whatever, and and all those things can be changed in the future. They can. Got to start doing better with media, though, and I think people, even like non volleyball 
industry people like us even just regular fans are really starting to take notice and be turned off by the quality of the broadcast so uh, we're keeping our eyes on that and we'll see what happens over the next i think five games before our next show yeah full week of of the pvf so i'm stoked about that a lot of volleyball to watch over the next few nights indeed so champions league as well champions league the next couple days obviously wednesday is a huge day uh, with the Zoxa matchup and uh, Berlin versus Tours could be good. Um, even Guaguas versus Prague could be good. I don't think any of those women's games will be very good, but uh, plenty to watch there. Plenty to watch in Italy, of course, in in Poland, in Turkey, in the United States. Wherever you are, there's going to be volleyball, and we'll be back next week, same time, same place, Monday night, 7.30 Eastern, to talk about all of it. Can anyone who watches the V-League in Japan tell me how it works? Because... For years, I always thought that they just played on the weekends, and now all of a sudden they've got these random midweek games. Whenever I'm looking on like sports, uh, sports stats and stuff like that. So, I, Rob, let's just go spend like a month in Japan and just go to games out there. Okay, I've been seeing but... videos of them. Like I saw this one video. First of all, the Panasonic jerseys are sick, and it's like Nishida and Jaishki. It sounds Jayshiki... like they're starting to draw more and more foreign talent too. I think they might be opening up their foreigner limits and pulling yeah. even more guys for next year yeah that's it's the japan's going doing some big things and it sounds like they're getting some money in there so ooh, could, could be interesting um yeah let us know best volleyball brothers in the comments in yeah, the chat below. That, I, I think that's going to be a fun little exercise you let us know uh especially from like whatever your country you're from because I'm, I'm sure you guys know so let us know yep, all right guys volleyball brothers have a great week We love you all, and we will see you on Monday. Peace.